Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! All right now, it's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. With your host, me, and, yeah, the Ayatollah of Alcohola drinking the beer in New Orleans, and I'm over here drinking iced tea in sunny South Florida. And we are the the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, the greatest podcast known to the universe. It's true. And we're the best. Fuck that. We may not have the highest ratings. We may not have the biggest following, but come on. Fuck Chris Jericho. Thank you. I don't care. Now, let me make it clear. It's Ralph Vieira saying that. Ian Wally is staying out of that one. I challenge Chris, Jer- Chris Jericho not only to a podcast off, I will kick your ass in wrestling. And I don't even know how to wrestle. It's all about the heart. You got heart, kid. That's right. I will slap him silly. Alright, so anyway... Uh, I got some exciting news I just got just a few hours ago. Um, I am very proud to announce that the Thrasher Dies new CD, Melting Your Skull, is going to be released. I'm going to have a CD release party in Puerto Rico, the, the, the place that just loves Thrasher Dies so much. They keep inviting us over, over and over again. So we're headlining this huge... Halloween festival outdoors and I just got news today that playing that show will be Venom Inc. Now for those of you that don't know, Venom Inc. consists of Mantis, Avatar, and it is actually the Prime Evil lineup. Now I put the news up on Facebook and of course what what is it? What what how can you put up metal news without fucking crybabies? Oh, no. Oh, it's not Venom without Cronus. Oh, so I guess it's okay for Cronus to run around with two guys that aren't original members. Yet Venom Inc. has two original members. I'm sorry, it ain't Cronus. It ain't Venom without the original three. But what are you going to do? They ain't getting along. So fuck it. I saw Venom and Friends. That's what I, that's what I call them. That, that band, uh, it's Cronus and Friends. Not, But they call themselves Venom. And then Mantis... And Avatar, I mean, it, they were Venom at one time. You know, Cronus was out, and they did a, a couple albums with this, li- with this lineup. So, you know, I'm seeing more of a legitimate Venom than the Venom with Cronus, but nothing against the Cronus lineup, because I saw that, and it was amazing. But this I know is going to be amazing, too. I've looked at some YouTube clips. It's fucking awesome. And, yes, they're playing with us. And I don't know how true this is. This may not be true, but I, I was told that we're still headlining. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. And I'm like, really? So I don't know. I mean, we'll see. But yeah, that's pretty amazing if we do headline over Venom Inc. That would be fucking quite amazing. And yes, another thing, very important thing I want to, I really want to stress this. Look, we're not like a sign band. We do all right. But you see, here's the thing. We're going to release the new album on vinyl. 
And if you want the vinyl to have an inner sleeve with lyrics and pictures and all that cool shit, it ain't gonna happen unless you guys pre-order it. God damn, you already cracked another beer? We've just been on the air for two minutes. Don't judge me! Oh boy, this is gonna be a good episode. Yeah. Anyway, so we put out pre-sales. And I want to thank everybody out there that bought a vinyl. The vinyl ain't going to be out till like February. I mean, that's very time consuming. We, we even have pre-sales for the CDs, but you'll get that early next month because it will be released like, you know, November 1st will be the date of the release. Anyway. I'm, order, I'm ordering mine uh, this Friday. Do I, I come to you with that? Uh, no, no. Go, go to the link that I have. It's Miami Metal Merchant. Uh, it's my boy Jason. Now, uh, now I want to let people know out there that it will be on iTunes. It will be on Amazon and everywhere. But the thing is that I got to first send it to CD Baby. And that's when I get back from Puerto Rico. And then they got to set it all up. But in the meantime, while they set all that shit up, I'm having Jason get a head start. My boy Jason from Miami Metal Merchant, who's financing the vinyl, to start selling our CDs. And, you know, and all that money will go into the vinyl but more importantly if you buy the vinyl you know we can actually put in like a cool inner sleeve but if you don't then I'm sorry I mean the people that have already paid for the vinyl I thank you so much you all rule but there is a chance you're just gonna get a regular white inner sleeve if we don't get enough pre-sales so I'm begging anybody out there buy the vinyl because I'm telling you we're not gonna be making them again and if we are it'll be a long time for now because we're gonna take we're going to put out Poser Holocaust. And, you know, who knows when uh, Melting Your Skull will be released again on vinyl. So please, pre-order the vinyl so that we can we can make enough money to do uh, an inner sleeve. But if not, okay, fine. I mean, the most important part is the vinyl, no, right? So, you know, hey, if you don't pre-order it and you buy it when it comes out, fine. At least you buy it. But I'm just saying, you know, we're not a rich band. And we'd love to put out the best quality, but... I'm not made of money, bro. You know, I... Well, go ahead, Ian. What? I was going to say, might, might I ask you, uh, how much is it for the vinyl? Oh, jeez, I don't know. because. But here's the thing. Uh, okay. you could. It's pre-sale. I didn't look into it. I'm sorry. But here's the thing. For a limited edition, we are going to give a free CD with anybody that purchases the vinyl. And that CD will consist of all the, the best of the best South Florida local bands including a, a song from Thrash or Die that's not on the album. An exclusive will be on that, and possibly even an exclusive combat track will be on there. And believe me, South Florida is crawling with awesome metal bands, and you will love this compilation. Is there a chance I could get an Eddie and the Boozer song on there? You that? are from New Orleans. Move down here, dude. Ah, shit. Semantics. Yeah. But anyway... Uh, so yeah, you get this free CD. That's only a limited. That's only for pre-sales. Because after the pre-sales, those CDs are not going to exist. So I highly suggest you do that. And man, let me tell you something. If you want it signed, just get a hold of me. I'll get any. I'll I'll sign everything, man. Me and the band will sign everything. But we need for you to tell me this first, you know, because if you don't, we're going to send it without being signed. So if you want it signed, you know, I know being signed might be worth more. I don't know. But if you want it to be signed, I will sign it. And I'll get the whole band to sign it. So that is my, my Thrasher Die news. We are playing Puerto Rico. 
And we also have a show down here in Miami this coming Friday. Nice. We'll be the uh, the the first Miami show in I don't know how long, and it might be the last. <laughs> well, but we don't we don't play Miami much, and there's a reason for that. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I have to say. So what's up with you, Ian? Oh man, well. I am I am exhausted, man, because I've had a hell of a week. I saw four concerts this week that I, I'd like to talk about real briefly. Uh, the first one was Ghost, and man, what a killer show! They had an opening band. I can't remember the name, like Paragon or Paradon or some shit. I don't know. I think they're from Europe, because uh, they definitely sounded European. You know, not not it's a bad thing, but it sounded like you know European metal. Uh, not bad. I had a chick lead singer and uh, another chick playing keyboard. It's funny. The chick keyboard player looked like she was playing a Casio, like you get at the fucking mall. It was hilarious. Didn't sound that bad, though. My old lady didn't dig it. I dug it. But then Ghost came on. And oh my god. What a fucking show. And uh, I saw this incredible club here called The Civic, and people were going nuts because there's two VIP balconies. Uh, you know, there's like there's two regular balconies and then two VIP ones on the side, and that was filled up by the following day's uh, guests. Uh, Glenn Danzig was out there watching the show. Uh, Phil and Selma was out there. Uh, uh, Sean from White Zombie. Uh, Johnny Kelly, who plays drums with Danzig, is now in Typo Negative. Uh, I think Tommy Victor was out there. Some guys from Crowbar. Some guys from Down. And uh, it, it was really neat, you know, and, uh, and, and, but the ghost show itself was so amazing. They put on a really fucking great show. I mean, the production, uh, is just out of this world and they sounded phenomenal. It, it, it was a really, really good time. I suggest to anybody, you know, if ghost comes around, go check them out. Even if, uh, you're not a super fan, uh, you might change your mind if you see them live. Then the next day, I saw Danzig's new tour, his new Blackest of the Black. And, oh, man, I wish that would have been better. It started out with this band called uh, Mountain Wizard Wizard of Mountain or Mountain of Wizard. I don't know. It sounded like chicken of shit. It was fucking horrible, man. They had a chick singer that would was singing like Mariah Carey one minute and uh, Cannibal Corpse the next. Oh, man, it drove a lot of people out. Uh, and then Prong came on, who I love, love Prong. Uh, a real disappointing set. Uh, the set list had, you know, hardly any of the classic hits. And then even even the hits that they did play. It was a very short set, by the way. But uh, everything just seemed sounded too fast. And I was really disappointed because I love Prong. I've seen it before. I've seen Tommy Victor a bunch of times between Danzig and Prong. And I uh, have to say, it, it wasn't their best. But uh, I still support Prong and excited for their new album coming out. Then we got a band called uh, Gates of Maya or some shit like that. They're like a death, math, metal, core, whatever the fuck. I don't know what genre this shit is. Isn't it Vi- Veils of Maya? Oh, yeah, Veils of Maya. I'm sorry. Oh, my God, was that horrible. And then, like, in between the, the, the songs, you know, the, the, the singer sounded like a fucking rapper. Like, yup, yup, yo, everybody, yo. You know, like, oh, my God. Oh, Every- God. So many people walked out during them. It was, uh, man, it was, you would think they played hot dog. That many people left. 
I mean, it, it was it was really bad. I don't know. I guess there's a niche out there for that kind of shit, but uh, I ain't what made me feel like an old man because I was like, what's this noise? And then Super Joint came out. They're no longer Super Joint Ritual. They're just Super Joint. Got a couple new members, but uh, oh my God, did they knock it out of the park? Well, I, well, they they have thrown Selmo as the front man. You oh yeah. Not fail when you have that guy fronting a band. Phil Samo never sucks. Oh no, and it was great. They came out, they kicked ass, really got the crowd. I mean, of course, it's hometown, you know, Jimmy Bowers in the band, Kevin Bond, uh, you know, Phil, the two uh, new guys that play in the Illegals. Yep, but yep. It, it was a crushing set, and uh, Phil's mother was there in the balcony, and he sang her happy birthday, and they brought out a cake to her. It was, it was really fucking cool. Cool. And, and then the man of the hour, Danza, comes on. And, uh, man, there was a huge delay. They were having, I guess, all kinds of technical difficulties, sound problems and stuff. And Danza finally comes out. And <laughs> I can't believe this isn't on YouTube because uh, both Ghost and this show, man, it's just a sea of fucking cell phones. That shit drives me up a fucking wall. But people filming the whole fucking thing. But Danza likes to perform... Uh, his mic, he wants to have a chord on it. Some people hate the sound of wireless. Guitar players, singers, some of them gotta have chords. So he's got this long-ass chord. Danza comes out, sings the first note, raises the mic, he's stepping on it, falls back and eats shit. <laughs> the very wow. first thing. But uh, I'll tell you what, he jumped right back. I can't believe Danza is fucking 60, dude. He jumped right the fuck back up, didn't miss a note. Uh... But man, the vocals sounded like shit the first two songs. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. And then they fixed it, and he sounded amazing. And the way this guy ran around stage. Um, but he opened up with a couple of like newer songs that really lost the crowd. Then he got into the, the old shit that everybody wanted to hear. But everything was played too fast. And I don't know if it was Tommy Victor playing it too fast. And Johnny Kelly, the drummer, was trying to keep up with him. Or if it was vice versa. But it was just, it didn't sound that great. But Danzig himself sounded really fucking good. But then after a couple of songs that people wanted to hear, then he goes into three cover songs, because he's got that new cover record coming out. The first one was an Elvis tune. Because you know I love you, that song, yeah. You, you, oh my, I tell you what, I never heard the original. I thought that song was incredible. And you know me, I hate Elvis. But well, I, I, haven't heard, I haven't heard Danzig's version, but I love that song. I thought it was incredible. I thought it was really good song. Everybody sounded good on that. Uh, then the next song was one from a from a old biker movie from '69 uh, called Satan Satyrs, and he did this song Satan. That's kind of a, like a rockabilly kind of thing, and uh, it was it was good. That, but like nobody got into it because nobody knew it. He even made a joke because he was calling out, "Hey, what do you want to hear?" He gave options, and like nobody was doing anything. He's like, "You don't know any of these songs I'm talking about, do you?" And uh, but it was a good song. And then he goes into, I saw the set list, I knew what the next one was going to be, and I was like, oh, God. NIB. He's doing a cover of NIB. And NIB, I, everybody loves NIB. But there's been so many covers, and you've heard that song so many times. I was like, really? I would have really rather heard a dancing track than this shit. Or do, like, Thrill of It All. I mean, don't be so predictable. Right. But, I got to say, it kicked ass. I liked the way he changed it up. I really like, like, he, did, he didn't change it lyrically, 
like when he did Hand of Doom on uh, Danzig 5, but he changed like the, the music up a little bit. It still sounds the same, but a little bit di different tempo. It was really, really good, and everybody went apeshit for it because everybody knows that song and loves it. And then he goes into, uh, okay, this is off of Danzig 7. <laughs> and fucking this guy, by me, he goes, play some good shit. <laughs> wow. And, and, and Did he, he hear it? Did Glenn I, hear that? I, I don't know because I was, in the I was in the second balcony, and uh, I don't know if Glenn heard it, but people started leaving. People, wow. at least in the balcony, I can't say for the floor because I was in the back of the balcony. Uh, but the balcony started clearing out. Uh, but I thought he sounded good. Like actually, the later day songs sounded better musically. And then came the encores, and it was all like classics you wanted to hear. And by that point, they were on point. Every song sounded great. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of people left. But it was a long concert. I mean, that many bands. But I can't stress enough, Danzig did sound really, really good. And uh, I would recommend, you know, see this tour if it comes by it. But uh, maybe just go get there late. Get there and make sure you see Super Joint Danzig. And, you know, if you really love Prong, give it a try. But you might be disappointed. Uh, so that was great. And then, uh, yeah, one, one was Thursday, one was Friday. Then Saturday night, I saw somebody I know you fucking hate. I saw the Chris Robinson Brotherhood. Ew. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's his new band, and it's very, it's more like jam band, kind of Grateful Dead-ish. Well, what, what was the difference? So was the Black Crows. Yeah, um, even more so towards the end. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I thought you did. I, I thought it was a really good show, but if that's not your bag, you probably wouldn't like it. I know some people who went the last time. He plays the same club that's two blocks from my house. Uh, every time, every tour, he comes to New Orleans. And uh, I had some friends who went last time, and they were disappointed because they thought they were just going to hear Black Crows songs all night. And he didn't do one Black Crows song, but I was... Or no, I'm sorry, he did one. Uh, and it was a deep cut. I was happy about that. But, you know, I didn't care because I enjoy what he does now. It was a great show. And then uh, last night, this is even more bizarre than that, I saw Joe Jackson. And that was a, a really good show. Different, you know, more like, you know, singer-songwriter piano but incredible bass playing and the, the guitar player and drummer great but uh man after fucking four concerts back to back to back i'm ready for a rest and i think i don't have anything till king diamond and exodus in november and uh, i can't wait for that i just found out today that uli roth is playing the culture room down here in february first time i ever saw uli roth and i'm very excited with uh andy timmons and oh nice and that girl the um i think it's the girl that played with alice cooper and michael jackson that girl oh that othari no no one? no no the other one that played with uh michael jackson jennifer uh, Batten. oh jennifer Batten Batten. Yeah, yeah 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 i know what you're talking about but me it's all about uli bro i mean oh, I fuck, never yeah seen i oh, met yeah. uli once because i went on the you know the 70 tons uh you know at the right. court you know i wasn't going on the ship but i Hung out to meet all the people going in. I did get to meet Uli. Nice. And he was the nicest guy. So, and I'm a huge fan. I've been a fan of Uli since like the early '80s, you know. And now I'm finally going to see him, and I can't be happier. And uh, what else? There's another show coming up that I'm going to go see. Oh, Cheap Trick. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Trick's coming next and week. So we'll talk about them a little later in the news. Uh, let's get to some iTunes reviews. 
Holy moly. Uh, they've been starting to roll in. And I'm going to read them, man, because I appreciate you guys taking the time to put them up. I'm going to read them. And our first one here is titled The Only Podcast That Matters. Five stars. And this is from a uh, guy on our Facebook page. DT Hunter Likes Van Halen 3. <laughs> and his review is, There are too many podcasts out there that are boring and bland to listen to, especially a lot of music-themed podcasts. But this podcast is the most entertaining thing I've listened to in my life. The first episode I heard was the Ramones End of the Century episode, and I don't think I've heard anything in the world that I can relate to more. Not just the Ramones, but the humor, the way Ralph and Ian talk to each other, especially the mom jokes. Once I heard the first mom joke, that's when I realized this podcast was perfect for me. Thanks for making... <laughs> thanks for making... <laughs> podcast entertaining, Ralph and Ian. Keep up the amazing work. I love that. Well, once I heard the, mo the mom joke, I knew this podcast was for me. <laughs> All right. Our, well, that's a listener I'm proud to have, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. D.T. Hunter, I, I believe he's been a fan. Hell, yeah. D.T. Hunter rules. Yeah. Uh, next one, titled Great Show, five stars. This is from PR Gray 77 It's like having friends over. Pop open a beer and talk metal. Ian and Ralph play off each other seamlessly, and you get some great laughs along the way. And, hey, you just might learn something new. So thank you very much for the five-star review. Thanks. Yes, sir. And then we go on to the last one. The one podcast to rule your mom. <laughs> five yeah. stars from Downfall 775. This podcast is so good it can only be compared to your mom's vagina. <laughs> Somehow this show has several crazy things going on like burping, yelling, butting, spooning, these nutsin and liver failuring. <laughs> I love that. That's a new word. But it is only better and more entertaining for all this chaos. The reviews are always well done, and you two convey your opinions on every song loud and clear with reasons why you love or hate something. Everything you do is so legendary that the simple fact that you both hate Glammy Hagar has become a joke and a thing to tease you with. Your show is so legendary that you, that your simple opinions have become almost like reoccurring jokes. Even when you two are talking about my great and respectable mother, I still feel entertained and laugh even harder that I hit your moms like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Ouch. <laughs> uh, there's something interesting I want to tell you about that guy. All right, hold on. It says... Keep up the sexy work and keep reviewing really great unsung albums from great bands. And then this is funny because he set me up to get you on a D's Nuts, but it's one that you already told me off air, so I know you know it. But I got to read it anyway. It says, Ian, do not read this part out loud during the episode. After this, ask, ask Ralph if he likes tapes and CDs. If he says yes or no, Say, how about I tape my dick to your forehead so you can see these nuts? Got him! <laughs> okay, maybe that ain't the person I'm thinking of. Okay. Uh, there's a somebody that I deleted from the page that goes by the name of Downfall on YouTube. Okay. And I'm talking about just even yesterday. I, you know, he's on the Dr. Fuck 
uh, radio show Facebook page, which we need to talk about my radio show. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of like, you know, every, we're cool. Uh, I have nothing bad to say about the kid, um, but I did delete him a while ago for being a smartass. And uh, now he's back on the... And, you know, we had, I had, like, the biggest... It was a, it was an argument, but it was an argument with a wink that you should read. It is hilarious. It goes on forever. I had an argument on the page with uh, Superior News Guy. Remember that, dude? Oh, God, yeah. And he even brought up, like, oh, to get Ian. I go, Ian ain't got time. He's like, dude, that guy was bashing you relentlessly. He was saying a lot of fucked up shit about you. And, and I just kept saying, you know, he goes, because, uh, you know, the thing is, well, no, you know what? I don't want to get into it. Because he is going through some personal things. And you know what? Believe it or not, Superior Review Guy, he's an all right guy. It's all an act. Oh, wait, but he bashed me? Come on, tell me he, personal shit. I want to get it. I can't, I can't bring this up on the air because it involves him in a court of law. So by talking about this may bring him problems with the court of law. So let's... Oh, he's a pedophile? No, it has nothing to do with that. Let, let, let's just... Let, let me put it this way. Anybody want to know? Go on the Dr. Fuck uh, Facebook... Uh, Dr. Fuck Show Facebook. And, and it's a long argument, but... It's really funny. I mean, we were... Actually, I was zinging him so hard. And he never really had a good comeback. But he wouldn't He wouldn't let up. He just kept coming back saying he was superior, superior. And I kept, like, giving him examples like he's not superior. And, he, and, and I got really personal with him because he's going through some personal problems. And I used that against him because I'm a prick. Nice. <laughs> and Mr. Downfall was, was in the conversation here and there. And, uh, I don't know, I mean, he, he, he's, you know, he's a little smart-ass kid that I had a problem with, and I deleted him, but now he's on that page, I added him, and he's been behaving, so, and look, it, and, I'm, and it might have been him that led us that review, I know he sent me a message today saying how he listened to the No Prayer for the Dying episode, so he does listen to us all the time, so, uh, shout-out to those guys, uh, I, I don't think Superior Review Guy listens to us, he's too superior for that, but, um, Oh, they, probably, right. they probably don't have internet in jail. You know? No, believe me, he's not even, he's not in jail. He's not in the house. I can say where he is. He's in, he lives in a van. Down by the river? <laughs> he said that too, that he was down by the river. And I'm like, you know, he's going through some tough times, man. And this guy's bashing me. Well, Lottie freaking Oh, die. believe me, he was bashing me. So I used his, his misfortunate uh, incidents that are happening in his life now totally against him saying boy if you're so superior why is it that you did this and i don't i've never done something that stupid so what did he do anyway did he go to mcdonald's to get free wi-fi to even talk to you how does that <laughs> that'd be amazing if they would let him in mcdonald's anyway what else is going on all right well let's get to some news all right uh start saving your money kids because supposedly the first guns and roses show is going to take place in portugal next year Oh, I thought it was a Super Bowl. No, that was, that was a joke threat. Uh, but, uh, supposedly, it's, uh, this promoter paid, I forget how many millions, to secure a two-and-a-half-hour show, and there's a bunch of other promoters lining up, and they're saying, you know, this could be like a $100 million comeback tour. And also, one of our listeners from our show, uh, you know, asked me, you know, I, I'm not going to name him or anything, but he said he has a friend who works in the, you know, uh, 
you know, I don't know if he's like a lighting guy or something like that. He's on retainer for all of next year for Guns N' Roses. So, one way or another. But uh, supposedly this is going to be the uh, classic lineup. And, and if it ain't yeah. if it ain't Steven Adler, it ain't classic. Remember that kid. Yeah, man. No, no, no. No Steven Adler. Uh, oh God, man. I'd rather see a Buckethead lineup than without Steven Adler. Seriously, man. Yeah. No, I. I... Steven Adler is the most underrated member of Guns N' Roses. People do not understand. If it wasn't for him, Appetite wouldn't have been that good. The rhythm section is what sells that fucking album, and that is Steven Adler and Duff. If you had two other bozos back there doing that, it wouldn't have that classic Mr. Brownstone groove. Well, you, I mean, you know if they tour, everybody's a lock-in except for Steven is the, the yeah. one you don't know about, you know. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is supposed to be in Portugal. And if you're going to go, hey, I, I, I plan for an extra day because you don't know when the fucking show is going to start <laughs> and when it's going to end. But, uh, hey, man, this could be something that rock and roll needs to kick it in the ass. So I hope it happens. I'm surprised they ain't opening at Rock and Rio. That's, that's usually uh, Guns N' Roses' first uh, right. gig they do. You know? Well, there was talk about that as well. But th- that's nothing confirmed for that. Uh, now, we've got all these bands. All these celebrities got their own beer and wine. Uh, you know, but, but this one might be the best. I might actually have to try this. And I'm not one of those craft beer assholes. I, you know, I like I like cheap American fucking beer. But Cannibal Corpse now is oh man, is gonna that would taste nasty. Huh? I'm already gagging. Have, have you that, something drunk by Cannibal Corpse? <laughs> All I could think is like devoured by vermin. Uh, and maggots. And, oh my god, maggots full of skull, skull full of maggots. Come on, man. I don't want to drink anything that people have butchered at birth. But, you know, but have, have you heard about it yet? No. This is oh, oh, oh my god, it's on Bladdermill. You gotta go see, even the fucking label for the beer is awesome. But it's got the best name ever. It's called Amber Smash's Face. <laughs> Dude, right, I am, I'm gonna, yeah, that's cool. I am gonna get some cannibal corpse, and I'm not even a huge cannibal corpse fan, but I'm gonna get this shit because I gotta get fucked up on some Amber Smash's face beer. Yeah, that is fine. That is funny. Oh, I man. I gotta admit, that is pretty cool. Oh, man. Alright, next story. Uh, Rob Halford just talked about recently celebrating 30 years sober. He's uh, Well, it's coming up. He got sober in, I believe, January of, uh, of 86, so it's coming up on 30 years. Damn. Yeah, and uh, you know he he liked to do some cocaine and some drinking back in the day, but uh, he had a bad experience with with the boyfriend, and uh, he's been on the straight and narrow ever since. He wasn't one to flaunt that though. You never saw Rob drinking back in the day. No, no, he said he he was very he he was the type that would go in his home and, and get like just fucking wasted, but you know right. very you know secluded you know when he'd do that. Uh, you know, but when asked, you know, how do you still maintain your sobriety? Uh, he said simply, I don't listen to Nostradamus. Oh, come on. Okay, okay maybe I added that in there. I might have added that in there. That's but, a great uh, album. But uh, congratulations to Rob Halford on uh, 30 Years of Sobriety, I guess. 
Uh, all right. Only only morons do not understand the greatness of Nostradamus. Now I conclude. Douchebag on the internet theater. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, poor old Tommy Lee uh, hurt his pimp hand. Yeah, what, what, what's up with that? What, what is it? He had tenonitis or some shit? Well, I don't know, because I saw something on the internet. Because I really don't give a shit to read the whole story. I saw something the other day that he got burned by some pyrotechnics. And then I saw... Yeah, and, and I, that, that does not surprise oh, me. Oh, no, because, no. Anybody who's... God. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, anybody that's seen this Motley Crue show that yeah. I saw, that farewell. Yeah. Holy fuck. I'm, man, Kiss ain't shit. I've never seen more fire and pyrotechnics ever and it looks so dangerous i mean those fireballs were all around them man and very close yeah oh yeah but i heard that he got burned but supposedly uh him missing the show had nothing to do with that uh just said that he hurt his wrist and he was replaced by glenn sobel the awesome drummer right now for uh alice cooper so he played this set now they said they didn't do the, uh, the what do they call it uh, the crucify or something. That's what they call his drum solo right now. It's some some shit oh, like that. Wow, that, the name is as lame as the solo. Yeah, it's it's something like I might get a little fucking, but it's something very similar to that. But uh, man, I think they should have let the guy take a ride on the roller coaster. At least it might have been nice to hear a good drum solo while that shit's going on. But uh, he he did he did go over. Uh, you saw the show, so you know how they land in the middle and do Home Sweet Home. He did do that with them and everything. But uh, by you know, it's lame. You think about it. Tommy Lee could have at least done the solo. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, yeah, because it's all pre-programmed shit anyway. You know, he should have just went out there and wrapped it. Yeah, man, that, that's lame. He was there. I saw footage of him coming out on stage, like, apologizing. Right, yeah, and they, they said uh, apparently he was in uh, the drummer's, like, ear monitor, like, telling him what to do and shit, you know? Like, okay, uh, you know? Now give somebody hep C, you know? Mm. But, uh, yeah, I doubt anybody noticed the difference besides not getting to see the roller coaster drum solo. Uh, probably saw a better drum performance, in my opinion. But anyway, uh... Here's a story. I heard this months ago. I, 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 I might have been the Eddie Trunk podcast or, or some other podcast that's inferior to ours. Uh, Michael Sweet has been saying uh, he wants to produce a new Van Halen record, saying he can get the uh, you know the proper Van Halen sound out of that band. Yeah, yeah, the old school sound. You know, you know what, uh, you know what album sounds very old school Van Halen? Uh, a different kind of truth. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I hear you. I, I mean, would I love more of the Ted Templeman sound? Yes, but it doesn't matter because the songs are so fucking good on that album. Has Michael Sweet produced anything? Uh, no, but he has been... Uh, well, I mean, he might... He's probably produced some Striper shit, but I know he no. was... No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't? He was asked to produce... Uh, he says he was asked to produce the last... Uh, Sebastian Bach out. Yeah, but but Sebastian Bach bashed him and had a fight saying that wasn't true. Right now, uh, you know, so I don't know who who do you believe, who do you don't. Michael Sweet's a Christian, so supposedly he doesn't lie. So is Sebastian. Well, I, I can tell you this. Just today, I saw clips of the new Striper album, and holy fuck, man, shit looks good. I'm a Striper fan, proud to say it, and I'm not a Christian. 
I'm not a Satanist. I'm not none of that shit. I'm my I, I I worship I I'm a I'm, what is it? <laughs> Sa Sabishton. Is that is that a proper word? Because I worship Black Sabbath, so I'm a I'm a Sabishton. So, uh, but what I've heard of this new Striper album, it's fucking awesome. I've heard a couple songs. There's a song called Yahweh. Ooh, that was good. And they do a cover of After Forever Sabbath. And you know, I'm a Sabbath fan, and I got to say, they did a good job. And I, w I, I, I did appreciate their last album, um, Hell to Pay. It was good. Yeah. The ones before it were horrible. I hated, like, uh, Reborn. And what was that other one they did? It was really bad. Wow. But these last, this last one is really... I mean, what I've heard so far, I can't wait till that fucking thing comes out. But stay away from Van Halen, please. Yeah, well, I mean, all I can say is if you really want to produce it, uh, just pray and see what happens. Uh, well, you know, I mean, if he does end up recording Van Halen album, I wouldn't be against it because they're they're recording a new Van Halen album, man. You know, but uh, yeah. what I've heard, yeah, yeah, but... David's not interested. But, uh, you know, fucking Eddie, first of all, Eddie's not going to let anybody else fucking produce. You know, he just, he's not going to give up the control, you know? So. Well, well, well who, he, he didn't produce a lot of Van Halen album, did he? Uh, I think he's like a co-producer. I'm, I'm sure he had final approval on anything. Well, he did a damn good job, because that album was great. I do love the album. I do love the album. I, I would have liked a different production, more of an old school sounding production, but I still love the album. I mean, the I thought it did. I thought it had that yeah. classic Van Halen sound, well, like, like Bullethead and As Is. Yeah. To me, that sounded like classic Van Halen. Oh, I mean, the, no, the songs, the songs. There's no getting around that. They're the best shit they've done since fucking '84, dude. You know, my opinion. I liked it more than '84. So right, but you know what I'm saying. I'm saying from back. No, that I know. I, oh yeah, no, but you know, come on. Uh, the Wiggles did shit better than anything they've done since 84. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, our last story is something that I know uh, you're going to be very passionate about. And that is, it was just announced the night we recorded last week's news. And that's who is eligible for this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Oh, God. I don't even want to talk about it. What? You said you wanted to talk about this. No, no, no. I don't want to talk. I'll tell you what I want to talk about. But I'll let you talk about it. But I have nothing to say about that. But I have something to say related to it. So go ahead. All right. Well, here we go. Here's a list of who's eligible this year. Now, now I think only five or six get in <sighs> out of this lineup. Uh, Deep Purple. Uh -huh. Cheap Trick. Right. The Cars. Chic. Zoink. Chicago. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Janet Jackson. Humana, humana, humana. The JBs. Well, I'll be. Uh, a lot of people are like, well, who, who's the JBs? This is what's really fucked up. Look how long it's taken a lot of these people to even get nominated. The JBs are James Brown's backing band. <laughs> That's like, in, in, you know, I, I, and, and I'm not slagging them. They're great. Bootsy Collins, Maceo Parker, uh, Jabbo, I mean, there's some amazing... Jabbo? Yeah, the drummer, dude. He's one of the most sampled drummers of all time. He's incredible. Jabbo. He's fucking incredible. All right, Jabbo. But anyway, uh, you know, it's like you're putting backing bands in front of, like, bands that have waited for years. But anyway, let me keep going with the list. Uh, Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan, yeah. Los Lobos. <laughs> yeah, of course, Los Lobos. Come on, by la bamba. 
Steve Miller. Steve Miller, like fly like an eagle. Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails very much deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, not as much as the next band. NWA. Oh, NWA. Oh, come on. Come on. That's that's pure rock. The Smiths. The Smiths. That's like all man stuff. The Spinners. The Spinners. Yeah, that's like Motown. Yes. And yes. Yes. Oh, th- oh hey, hey. Congratulations, Chris Squire. Because of your death, you got nominated. Thank you. Right. And yeah, I, I just right. want to say, there's one band. There's yes. one band here that I know without a shadow of a doubt's going in. You know who that is? These nuts. Eh, NWA. I guarantee you. NWA. That's the one lock. Like, I would bet the fucking farm that NWA is going to get in. Are you aware there is a band called These Nuts? No, no, no. I am dead serious. Yes, I know. Yes. Have you heard them? I haven't heard them. I've heard all They're fucking horrendous. I think they were assigned to like nuclear blast or century some one of those things. It's it's horrendous. It's like a really shitty band. These nuts. Anyway, all right, this is what I gotta say. Not about the rock and roll fan. Forget that. I'm I'm done. Okay? I'm not even gonna talk about that anymore. I wanna talk about like the people that care about it. The people like you know, I have I'm a big cheap trick fan, so therefore my my Facebook wall is full of cheap trick groups. And so many people are so passionate to get Cheap Trick in there. Can I, can I say something real quick before you get into uh-huh. it? Uh, Ken Mills, the great Ken Mills, has put up a thing. They have fan voting right now. And, uh-huh. and he's trying to encourage people to vote for Cheap Trick. Right now, out of all those people, Cheap Trick has the least amount of votes. Okay. Now, yeah, look. All right. And, and, and I love you, Ken Mills. And my condolences. We should we should like put aside the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and everything yes. to say something very very important. Yes. Ken Mills lost his mother. Yes. And my deepest console uh, condolences, my brother. Uh, I still have my mother, and I fear that day whatever happened. It freaks me out. So I know, yes. you know, it, it's really it must be so hard. I mean, Ian, you lost your dad. Yes. I haven't. I've lost people in my life, but I've never lost a parent. And I visit my parents all every single day and I always every time they call me I freak out hoping they're calling me about something that has nothing to do with your dad's in the hospital or something so I I live in that fear constantly and then when I hear like somebody like Ken Mills or anybody that I know that loses a parent I really do feel man yes I feel so much just like if somebody was to lose a parent and knows how it feels even though I don't know how it feels and I hope I never do, because I want to go before my parents, you know. But my point is, is that I, I'm really feeling, brother, that I know, because I live the one, fe- the only fear in my life is to is to lose any of my parents. So my deepest condolences. Yeah, mine goes to Kevin mine too, and the whole rock and metal combat podcast family. You know, we're all yeah, there. everybody at the page. I'm sure you know we have we have nothing but cool people there, uh, and and it's you know. Hey, you know, uh, positive prayers and, you know, and your your family, I, I, I wish you all the best, man. And, you know, I know it's, it's a tough time for Ken, but, uh, you know, he's a good guy and I feel really bad about the whole thing. Now, going back into the Hall of Fame thing, I mean, Ken, you know, I mean, I, I, I seem to disagree. 
I, I, I wouldn't vote for Cheap Trick. I, I wouldn't vote for anybody because I don't want my bands to be in that place. Now, look, forget the place. I mean, I'm, I've already I, I've already dealt with the, the elitism and the hypocrisy of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Whatever. They are who they are. But you know what? It's we the people that can shut it down. But we the people care too much. We the people care if Cheap Trick goes in there. We the people care that, you know, uh, that, that Judas Priest hasn't been nominated. We the people... It drives me crazy. You know, you know, it's, I see it this way, okay? Anybody out there that has a child, okay? And your child gets molested, God forbid. And they catch that molester. And he goes to jail. Are you really going to care what that guy has to say in jail? No. Oh, am I saying, well, how can I compare the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to a child molester? I want to hear this one. <laughs> They've been fucking metal since day one. I mean, with no lube, okay? Always giving it bad reviews. Always slamming Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, in the 70s. They hated it. They hated it. They hated it. And now they love it because the people, us, the people, are more powerful than the Rolling Stone magazine. We're more powerful than these fuckers. Look, John Winner. What's that dumbass's name? Yeah, Jan, Jan Winner. Jan Winner said, and I quote, and I remember this, when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame first opened in the 80s, John, he said, and I quote, we nominate bands tw that have been around for 25 years or longer because if we nominate newer bands, we'd end up like putting Journey in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame today. It's like he's already judging like this band can go and that band can go. Let me tell you something. What, what, what's the name of... Uh, look, NWA, which by the way, no, no offense. I mean, I'm a hip... I, I do not like rap at all. I'm not a fan of hip hop, but man, even I know NWA rules. Uh, Straight Outta Compton, to me, is the greatest hip-hop album ever made. I love that album. I own it. I don't think anything's better when it comes to hip-hop. But come on. They were never as big as Journey. They never played places well, like... Well, even Journey today well, here's plays the big thing. places. If you would have went to, to NWA back then when that came out and go, Hey, are you guys a rock and roll band? They'd be like, fuck you. We're a rap band. Okay, the same yeah. reason Hank Williams Jr. ain't in the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because he's a fucking country artist. Oh no, he will be nominated. No, but but, but here's it, it pisses me off because it, it, it's bullshit like reverse racism, and I, I hate racism and I really hate reverse racism. But it's like, oh, if we don't include rap bands, we're being racist. But it's not the Rap Hall of Fame. Should they have their own fucking Hall of Fame? Sure, give it to them. They have a country music hall of fame, you know. But why? Why? You know, it's like you have to put them in there, and you and you like keep out, the, you know, the man who wrote "Smoke on the Water," which Ian Gillen has come out and said he doesn't want it. Yeah, no, and I and I applaud him for that. I applaud. I applaud. The best was uh, Johnny Rock. Oh yeah, that that letter he wrote was like the best. And if only everybody would think like these guys. We can shut them down, but people care. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention this guy on Facebook that said to me, "No, but 
if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, if you get inducted, that'll increase your record sales. Yeah? Well, why is Kiss still needing co-headliners? They got they got inducted, and that, it didn't help them none. It's who and, and it, uh, look. I love you, Ken Mills, but come on, I'm not gonna vote, man. Come on, man. We we all need to band together and just shun them and watch it crumble. And as we laugh our asses off when that place shuts down from lack of revenue from lack of interest, but it's not gonna happen because people care about the enemy. Why, people? You love Judas Priest. Why the fuck do you care if Deep Purple gets in now? If you love Iron Maiden, why the fuck would you care if Cheap Trick gets in now? You know, they, they these are people that hate our music and we care what they think. Can you fucking wake up? I don't hate them anymore. I hate the people. Because the people have the power to shut it down, but the people are too stupid to understand. I'll give you another example. <laughs> In Best Buy, I saw this shit. It was like, it was a compilation CDs of the nominees for the Grammys this year. I mean... That shows you the mentality of the people. The Grammys. The, look, Grammys are clueless motherfuckers. And they fucking, they made a compilation CD of a bunch of these bands that, that, that won't be remembered five years from now. You gotta remember, Grammys gave Millie Vanilli the greatest new act of, you know, the best new act. Oh, they had to give their award back. They shouldn't have given their award back. Millie Vanilli deserved that award because it was from the Grammys. They didn't sing on the album. Millie Vanilli was a phony band. What better award for a phony band than the Grammys? And let me tell you something. I will fight to get Millie Vanilli in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They definitely need to be in there. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Whoa. And you know what? No, wait, 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 wait. And I'm right. You know I'm right. And the reason why you guys care if these people get everybody out there except for Ken Mills. Come on. Ken Mills is a cool guy. All right. We all make, make mistakes. I forgive Ken Mills. But everybody else, I don't. Don't let Cheap Trick in there, man. No. It's not a good idea. What we all need to do is get together and get Bon Scott out of there. Thank you. All right. Well, let's talk about a band. If there was a metal Hall of Fame by the metal fans, would definitely be in there. And that is the legendary Saxon. All right. Let's go into the review. This is an old review. This review was uh, was recorded before the album came out, right, Ian? True story. Yeah, that's true. This is a real old one. Listen how young we were. We were young whippersnappers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't even fucked my first mom and daughter yet. Check it out. <laughs> All right. Saxon Denim and Leather, released in 1982? Was it? 81. 81. 81. Must have been late yeah. 81, right? October of 81. Yeah, I figured it was late 81. Uh, my first, uh, believe it or not, taste of Saxon, though. No, no, no. That's not true. I did hear... Uh, uh, Wheels of Steel. I heard that one first. But the first one I owned was this. And when I think of this album, I think of MTV. When MTV was very young and they didn't have a lot of videos. And there were three videos they would show from this album. 
Princess of the Night, Denim and Leather, and Knight Rider. Midnight Rider, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, to this day, it is my favorite. I have to say, my favorite Saxon album, even though, man, the, the two before it. You know, Crusader and, and, and Power... Uh, Power no, and Crusader the, was after. No, I'm saying Crusader and Power oh. and the Glory were good as well, you know. But, uh, and their latest ones, you know, they, they, they released some really good ones, like uh, Metalhead's a really good one. But let's get back to this one. Um, I saw this tour, and it was the only time I ever saw Saxon, was when they opened for Triumph on the Allied Forces tour at Miami, this place called the Guzman Center, which doesn't have much shows. That is, I believe, where Jim Morrison got arrested. Which nice. in a, yeah, Dinner Key Auditorium, whatever. Um, so, um, I love this album. We will get into it track by track, but, uh, let's hear your opinion on how you, uh, discovered Saxon, Ian. Um, I first discovered Saxon to my friend, uh, I brought up in a, in a couple previous episodes, Paul Turngren. A uh, guy turned me on to a lot of great, great fucking hard rock metal, you know, some punk too. Um. Uh, he was a guy I hung out with and one time he had like he picked me up we were going to hang out and then he had to go do some shit and he goes uh, hey while I'm gone you stay here he goes I got some shit for you to listen to and uh, you know he set out a bunch of cassettes and one of them was uh, Saxon Wheels of Steel and he's like you gotta check this shit out you'll dig it and wow did it blow my mind because at the time really all I was was listening to was a lot of LA cock rock and here was some straight up new wave of British heavy metal uh, and it blew my mind I was like wow it's so different but yet you know so fucking cool and uh and I was really into that album but then I kind of went on to some other stuff you know it's like I went further into cock rock and, and into thrash and stuff like that and it was a long time till I came back to Saxon you know um uh, where I was like, hey, I need to check that band out because I really like that album I heard, you know, when I was fucking 13. And and when I did, my God, uh, the surprise I was in for because Saxon is now, like, one of my favorite bands of all time. I mean, I really think, you know, you look at a band and, and their whole discography, you know, there's a few albums here or there, you know, my, like, eh, that's not as good. But overall... Saxon is solid as fuck and stayed true to who they are and I'm a huge fan and I'm so happy to announce that I am getting to see them live uh, they are playing a co-headline show with Motorhead it's uh, Crowbot who I've heard a lot of good things about but never never seen or heard Crowbot, Saxon and Motorhead so that sounds like an amazing show I'm taking a road trip I'm going to fucking uh, Houston, Texas and uh, man, I'm so excited. Uh, a band I really loved that I, I never thought I'd get to see live. I honestly thought, like, this is one of those bands, like, well, I'll probably, you know, unless I get to go to Bakken, uh, which I want to do someday, I'm like, I'll never get to see Saxon. And uh, now I'm going to see him, man. I can't fucking wait because this is an incredible fucking band that deserves way more uh, attention and respect than what they have. What do you think, Ralph? They played Texas way too much. They have to come down here. Um, <laughs> they haven't played Florida since uh, I saw them. 82, I believe. 
That's how long it's been. What is that? 33 years? Wow. And, uh... Well, you know, I mean, I don't blame them because Florida does suck as far as, like, a metal scene is, you know... Everybody down here, if you, you know, you don't sing, you know, death metal, you ain't gonna pack a club. And I don't even think Saxon... They probably could, but I don't know. Uh, it sucks, but... Uh, I love Saxon. I'm a huge fan. They're, the middle period, I'm not too crazy about. I'm sorry, I didn't like, you know, Innocence. What is, it? What is that one called? I yes. uh, yeah, Innocence and something. I know what you're talking about. There was a couple albums there. It was like, eh, they got a little too commercial. Um, it wasn't until they came back with Metalhead is when I, you know, I was like, ooh, now this is good. This is really good. But that, you know, this is the real Saxon. Like every band, man. You have to like, you know, you have to give credit to the ones that put them on the map. Saxon today, what is it? Just uh, three members? Two? Uh, of, of the original band, I believe I believe three. All right. Um, which Counter is good. Two. Which is two. good, not bad. You know, well, two's kind of bad. Three out of five is not that bad. Anyway, uh, so what do you say we get into this record? Oh, let's do it, because it's an incredible fucking record. All right, I'm going to go with uh, my all-time favorite uh, Saxon track opens this album, a song about a train. I never knew it was about a train until many years later. I thought it was about a chick, and that's Princes of the Night, a song out of the three videos they played the most on uh, MTV. I love this song. Everything about this song. This is... Uh, the great, all the great parts of Saxon, all in one song, and uh, it is my favorite track off it. I love it, Prince of the Night, and I'm glad it's well received by the Saxon fans. That I'm sure, even though I, you know I haven't seen them since '82, I'm sure, man, they always have to have this one on every set list, right, Ian? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, I, I love this song as well. To me, it's not only one of the greatest Saxon songs, it's one of the greatest songs of all time. And uh, I'm very proud to to say that I've got my old lady into Saxon, who is, uh, you know, not the world's biggest... I mean, she likes some metal, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, to get her into something as underground as Saxon, I was very proud to do. She loves this song. And where she works... Uh, she always plugs her iPod in at work and lets it play. And one day she was telling me this came on her iPod, and this is like a little like you know breakfast and lunch place she works at. And this song came on, and somebody turned turned to her, "That's Saxon." She's like, "Fuck yeah!" And I love that. She loves this song. I love this song. One of the greatest songs of all time. And what a way to open up the fucking album. And it, this song has such a broad appeal to me because uh, I, I, I don't think you have to necessarily be a metal fan. I think this, I think Saxon in general, I mean, while they are very hard rock, very metal, there's just something about Saxon that I think can appeal to everybody. They just write really good songs. And, and, and Biff to me has a, a great, great vocals. Uh, just amazing. I mean, what more can you say about Prince of the Night? I mean, a song, like you said, about a fucking train, but, uh, Jesus Christ, I mean, 
It's an all-time fucking classic. Absolutely love this song. And then we go into Never Surrender, track two. Holy shit. What a fucking rocker this is. This is just one of those songs that begs to be played live. And they, they do play it live. I mean, it's on their legendary live album, uh, Eagles Landed. Uh, one of the all-time greatest uh, live albums up there, in my opinion, with... Uh, you know, fucking live and dangerous and fucking, you know, no sleep uh, till Hammersmith and shit. I love this fucking song. Uh, just a down dirty rocker. And uh, I love the sentiment. I mean, they're very much a working class band. And this is a song to all the fucking metalheads and the punters out there. Never fucking surrender. Always fucking rock. And great track. What do you think, Ralph? They just don't write them like this anymore. That's why this world fucking sucks. You see, I, I discussed this in our Twisted Sister episode with the song I Am On Me. And uh, this is another one of those songs, man. You know, this, th- I, I came up, I, I was raised at the perfect part, uh, perfect time. Because my music back then was inspirational. It was us against them. Heavy metal today, since the dawn of it, the whole 45 years of heavy metal it's always been the underdog it's what people look down upon people that like metal are the scourges of the earth to you know the 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 man and uh never surrender to me it's 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 the message to this song i mean everything about the song is awesome it's heavy metal Great singing, great great musicianship, but the message, man. Never surrender when your back's against the wall. That right there says it all. Because everybody out there, and look, come on. Ian, you're, I know you're, you're younger than me, but I don't know about you, but when I was young, I never knew anybody that had panic attacks. Did you? I don't know. No. That didn't exist. <laughs> it didn't exist. Now we have people that have panic attacks. Now, I know some people that are listening have panic attacks, and they're probably getting mad at me, but I'm sorry. I, I, it didn't exist back then. Maybe you're having panic attacks because nobody's writing songs like Never Surrender anymore, and you're just panicking because you don't know how to deal with life. But I did because I had Biff Byford and Dee Snyder to keep me from having panic attacks. Because whenever I was against the wall, whenever I was looked down on and said, you're not gonna achieve anything in life, you're a loser with long hair, cut your hair, this and that, I stuck to my guns and I never cut my hair. And I worked for for the city and I got you know all this shit. Yeah, I'm bragging, but the reason I'm bragging is because of Biff Byford, Dee Snyder, and Bon Scott. Those three guys inspired me to like, hey man, this is fucked up, this happened to you, but guess what? It happened to me too. And this is how I dealt with it. And I listened to them, and I did what they said, and I achieved everything I wanted to achieve in life. My life may not be, I may not live in a, in a mansion. I may not have a, a gazillion dollars. I may not ride the fanciest cars. But you know what? None of that shit matters to me. What matters to me is my kick-ass vinyl collection, my music collection, and my bands, 
that to me means more to me than materialistic crap. You know, I don't have an and, iPhone. And, and your podcast, and your podcast, you got a pretty kick-ass podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. The podcast, <laughs> the one where where the guy constantly uh, cuts me off and burps the whole show. Yeah, great oh, show. Me. Great show. Nah, I'm kidding. I, I love. <laughs> I love the podcast. I love everything and, and my reviews, everything. I love the people that listen to us. Look look what I have achieved, the loser. You know, I mean, uh, that's what I was when I was a kid. I was the loser. Everybody that was like me were the losers. But we had this thing. It was called heavy metal that brought us freedom. That it, it gave us something that, you know, other people... It was just special that we understood what other people didn't understand. And you realize the other people that didn't understand it, nine out of 10 of them were jackasses. Were people that today are miserable, balding, and with a wife they can't stand, or, you know, that with, with kids that are, you know, saying, <laughs> with kids outside going, yo, what they do, yo, and they're white. All right, so, but me, Never. <laughs> this is all over one song, but yeah, I love talking about positive shit because when you have songs like "Never Surrender," "Fight the Good Fight" by Triumph, "I Am on Me" by Twisted Sister, you know, "Ride On" ACDC, you know, "Kicked in the Teeth" ACDC. These songs, like, man, metal is life, bro, and hard rock is life, man. Because without all this shit, because all you have today is like, you know, oh, I'm pissed. Uh, you know, let's kill, let's burn down churches, let's, you know, it's all negative shit, which is cool, I dig that too, as far as a fantasy type thing, but when it comes to reality, burning down a church ain't gonna pay the bills, never surrender will, thank you. Oh, man, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more there, uh, it is a very positive song, and, uh, and, and very uplifting, and I miss this in metal. You know, because today is, you know, it started with like the grunge. Everything was very negative and very uh, pity. Like I feel sorry for, oh, daddy. Like I, like I call corn. Like daddy didn't play ball with me, kind of shit. You know, like well, you feel and, sorry for yourself. And corn, it was like daddy made me suck his balls. Yeah, but you know what Which I mean. Which is worse. <laughs> right. Right. But uh, I mean, I know I already talked about this song, but I, I want to express this to. To people who might not know this type of music, it's very uplifting. It's very positive. Uh, you know, it's it's life affirming. And if you you listen to these lyrics and and you take it to heart and you apply it to your life, there's a lot of great shit that can come from metal. I mean, there's so many stereotypes, but you listen to a song like "Never Surrender." There's a lot of real shit in there. You know, you know, seriously, never give up always work hard and you can achieve a lot of shit you know uh i mean i know we live in america where you know it is fucked up as a lot of shit is you can achieve so much through hard work and i think not just in america but in life in general if you work hard if you really really want it you you can do positive stuff and i'm so glad you brought this up Ralph, because this is a great fucking song and uh it, it, it's a lot deeper when you dig down deep than what just is on the surface and, and and thank you for talking about that you know and I would like to add one more thing and which is sucks for the today's youth 
uh, back then in the 80s, you know, when, when I had songs like this positive and I fought hard to do it, it was easier to achieve back then than it is today. I hate to say it because today it's tougher. Man. Today, it's just the world is just so much grimmer. It's not as positive. So in order to achieve anything today, you have to work even extra hard, but that's still no excuse not to do it. Because, you know, look, man, you're not gonna have everything handed to you in life. You're gonna have to go out there and take it. And today it's harder to take it, but you know what? You still have to have that attitude. You know, that I'm going to get what I want and nobody's gonna fucking stop me. And you're gonna have a lot of roadblocks and you will be stopped. But as long as you keep going, you're gonna get it eventually. Just don't give up. Hope, you know, we have a lot of young listeners and I hope they take this to heart, you know? Because if you do take it to heart, I guarantee you, when I'm dead and six feet under, you will be at my gravestone crying like a bitch that I'm dead. Thank you. Uh, no, I, I, I can't agree with more. We, we do have some young listeners and I love that you know, we got a few listeners that are that are athletes. You know, that are that are very uh, good students. You know, which you know, a lot of people, you know, they hear metal stereotypes like, "Oh, we're always like, you know, the the druggies and the dropouts and shit." We have some young listeners that achieve in many different areas, and and this is one of those songs that there is inspiration in here. It's not just bullshit. I mean, you can really get a lot from this, and. Uh, Man, I know we've gone a lot about never surrender, but there's a reason, cause, cause this is it's it's true, and 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 not only that, this song fucking rocks. But Ralph, why don't you go to the next one, which is Out of Control? Out of Control is my second favorite track off the album. Kind of like different. It's a love song, beautifully structured love song, not a ballad. It's a rocker, but it's so the melody. Breaks away the chains that bind me, gives me sympathy. There's just something about this song. It's just, I don't know, man. To me, it could have been a number one hit if the world was like aligned perfectly. But since it is Saxon and heavy metal, it didn't stand a chance. But this is a beautifully structured song, great song, love song, which is not something typical for a band like Saxon. But it is a great melodic, but it's a hard rocking tune that uh, I adore, man. It's my second favorite track off the album and possibly my second favorite overall Saxon song. What do you think? Wow. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I do love this song. And to me, it, it's just classic Saxon. And I agree with what you said about, like, this band should be bigger. This should be a song, uh, a band that's played on classic rock radio because of so many elements that uh you know why isn't this shit a hit it's so good and there was a show they were on in england i can't remember the name i know i i know i watched it on the internet but uh it was a show where they went on there and some guy was going to try to tell them uh what they could do and what they could change to become bigger you know to make them more successful and i loved it because by the end of it biff was just like you're so full of shit, you know. We're just going to keep doing what we do. And I love that about Saxon. I think that's why Saxon now has more appreciation than ever. Because they always stuck their guns. I mean, they took a couple detours, maybe a couple albums. You know, they were trying to break more and merit it more commercial. But by and large, 
they've stayed the same with the same mental attitude. And while it might not have been like the quickest answer or the easiest answer, for longevity-wise, it's why they are so respected and so loved because they've stuck to their guns and they've been Saxon. And it's incredible. And, th and this is, it it's a great, great fucking song. And I'll go to the next one. That is Rough and Ready. Holy shit. Uh, Rough and Ready, not my favorite song on the album, but it's an album track that I fucking love. I would never skip it. And that's what I love about this album. There is not one, but I, I know it's going to ruin it, but there's not one song I would skip on this fucking album. I put on Denim and Leather. It starts with Princess of the Night, and it ends with Denim and Leather. I mean, it's a fucking album. Every song is fucking solid, you know. What, well, you know? You talk about a lot, Ralph. You know where it's like, uh, you know, on a lesser album, this would have been an even better track. But on this album, it might get buried a little bit. But I still love this fucking track. What do you think of Rough and Ready? Rough and Ready for me has the greatest guitar solo on the whole album. Fucking ripping song, and I agree with you, man. There's not a bad track on this album. From beginning to end, every song rules. I, you know what? Usually I tell you, uh, you know, this would be my least favorite, but I love the song still. I can't even say this is my least favorite. I can't say any song on here is my least favorite because they're kind of, this is like a rare album where I don't have a least favorite. Even, you know, because I'll give you an example. Um, uh, Hello America off On Through the Night. I love that song, but it's my least favorite on off, On Through the Night. I can't pick my least favorite, so Rough and Ready can't be down there. It's a great song. It's a new wave of British heavy metal. I'm Rough and Ready tonight. Got to go. Again, uh, uh, you know, it's it's one of those, hey, man, let's go out. Let's get fucked up. It's a great song to get ready to, you know, to get ready to go out and get fucked up. Have that first beer of the night. Turn this shit up real loud. When the song's done, run outside and crash into a wall, buy some quaaludes. Yeah, the good old <laughs> So, uh, Rough and Ready Tonight is uh, a great fucking song. And like I said, that guitar solo on this on this song, like, oh man, it's like, I just love the fuck out of this song. Uh, what's next? Is it the band plays on or? No, no, next song play, play it loud. Play, play it loud. loud in your Yo. neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, this song, this is, this is a, um, again, a positive song about waking the fucking neighbors to some heavy metal. And I remember, like, I used to have this really killer stereo that was actually a hand-me-down from my brother. And uh, I used to have this little house in the back of my parents' house. Actually, even at a young age, I didn't live with my parents. I had a little house behind their house. And when they would leave for work, I remember this was one of the albums I would turn up real loud. And this song was like, Oh, it's, it's that message, man. It's like, you know, you're young. Come on, hearing's not that important. <laughs> Fuck it up, you know? Then you, you know what's really cool is tinnitus, man, so turn it up. That's what this song screams. It's a fucking great song. I love Turn It, turn it Up. It's, it's a positive message. And I think this, this, this message is more important now than ever. Because how many times... And I know we don't live in the same city, but I'm sure you go through this as well. You're at a fucking red light, and some guy is next to you with that hip-hop crap, that bass blaring on the stereo, where you, the whole car is vibrating, and you think to yourself, 
how the fuck is this guy enjoying it? It just sounds like... That's all you hear. You know? Now, if you turn up Saxon all the way up, you hear this song perfectly clarity. You know why? Because metal rules. It's just, you know, metal rules, hip-hop sucks. So, today, everybody out there, when you hear some... At a red light, put on some Saxon, this song... Turn it up all the way up. Roll down your windows, because they always have their windows up, because they're idiots. Roll down your windows, and just drive. And also, another thing, I would like to start a campaign where every, you know how um, politicians and people, they put those big speakers on top of their car and they drive, vote for this and that. Vote, you know, drive down the road with big speakers on top of their car, you know. I would like everybody to do that, but don't talk. Play, play it loud by Saxon. And just drive around your neighborhood with that song on repeat. That's what I think of this song. Oh, man. I couldn't agree more. I love this song. Uh, this reminds me. We used to have an area back where I grew up uh, in Kankia, Illinois, called The Square. And it was like a, a, you know, a couple block area where people would just cruise around. And everybody would be blaring music. Some people would park. You know, and stop, you know, and hang out and stuff. But everybody just kept going around. And and this song reminds me of that. You know, just you're blaring rock and roll. You're having a good time. And, you know, you've been in my car. You know I got the convertible, man. I put the top down and I blare this shit. And there's a lot of times. I live in New Orleans. So, of course, you know, I'm stopped next to people, you know, bumping Jay-Z. And I'm playing shit like fucking Saxon. <laughs> you know, it happened the other day on the way to work. I'm stopped next to this guy. He did have his windows down. He's blaring his shit, but I'm blaring my metal just as loud. And, uh, you know, it's awesome. You know, this is one of those songs, man. This is what I love about Saxon. It's just the play it loud, man. It's embrace your fucking metal. You know, embrace what you love and don't be fucking shy about it. Let people hear it. And if they don't like it, fuck them. You know, because... It's, it's great fucking music, and uh, enjoy it, man. Share it with your friends, man. If your friends don't know about Saxon, it's your fucking duty to tell them about it so yes. they can play it loud, you know? Share this stuff, you know? We, we do, like you said, we have a lot of young listeners. Tell your friends about this kind of shit so more people can enjoy this band that has been given it a thousand percent since 1979. I, I, I mean, these people live and die metal and hard rock, and they deserve your respect, and they deserve your attention. Check them the fuck out. All yeah, right, yeah. then we then we go into the next song. Uh. And this was their biggest single in uh, the UK ever, and that is And the Bands Played On. Awesome track. This was written about their performance at Donington. Uh, Monsters of Rock I believe it was headlined by Rainbow that year and it might have been like the first one it, it was, was Rainbow you it know was. I don't I, I don't care for it, but it was the Grand Bonnet era of Rainbow but it was a great day for fucking metal Riot and, and this Riot. song is yeah oh I love Riot and this song were, was have, celebrating that I'm sorry I'm sorry I have I have it on vinyl you ever seen that vinyl it's a double album live at Donington I've, I've seen it. I've, yeah, I've seen I it. I have it on vinyl. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I can't remember what song. I think it's. Um, oh man, I can't remember what Saxon song's on there. 
But uh, it's a great live album. Yeah, Riot was on there. Um, geez, I'm having a brain fart now. But go on. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Rainbow Scorpions, I believe, Scorpions, were on there. Yeah, Scorpions were on it. Uh, there were some other bands. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely having a brain fart too. But this song is about that day. And it's a celebration about that day. And it's a celebration for the bands and for the fans. And that's what I love about Saxon. I mean, they are a working class band. You know, they're not just, they're not singing to you. I mean, they are singing to you, but they're also singing about you. And they embrace you and they thank you. And and this is one of those songs. Uh, and the band played on just amazing. What do you think, Ralph? I fucking love this song, man. It's, it's uh, yeah, I, I didn't know. You just educated me. I didn't know it was about the Donington, but I, it, it is like a storyteller song. Well, they and mentioned Rainbow and some of the other bands in the lyrics. You're right. You're right. Now, it, you know, it's dawning on me, but um, it, it's such a, a, one of my favorites on here, actually. Probably my third favorite on the album. No, that's not true. Uh, but it, my fourth favorite. Um, it, it, it's um, again, it has the vibe of positivity. It's to me, look, it it may be about Donington, but all these years, me listening to the song, I got what I got out of it was we're a band that will not stop. We can you can throw all these roadblocks in front of us, and we will play on because the band will play on no matter what. Now. Something that you mentioned a couple songs ago that I was, was going to cut you off, but I figured I'll find somewhere in the, in the show to talk about, was um, you were talking about how Saxon just stuck to their guns and went on, which is true, 100% true. And um, But I do remember there was a time Saxon was like a joke, and it really pissed me off. Um, you know, people would... You know, people would lump Saxon with Crocus as like a jokey heavy metal band, a spinal tap band. Oh, it's something we never discussed. Um, did you know that before they did Spinal Tap, they actually went on tour with Saxon to get, you know... I, uh, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who it was, if it was Rob Reiner or some of the people that were in Spinal Tap, like Henry Fear or something. They actually went on tour with Saxon. To get like the feel of you know of t how it's like to be in a band to do this mockumentary. Uh, Saxon was the band that they. Well, anyway, well Saxon was and Crocus and I guess you know I don't know who else we can mention. They were they were kind of even in the metal community. If you even see and I hate to bring this up, but it is true. Uh, Pantera home video or yes. maybe, where they're in Russia. You know the part yes. I'm talking and, about. And, and, and and, and I'll, I'll tell you this: this is a prime example. My best friend in the world, Matt Pesenka, he didn't know Saxon, but because Phil made that joke, and I don't think he meant it like as a rag, but it was kind of like he goes, "Oh, people uh, gathered around for the annual Saxon concert." Uh, I don't think he meant it as a disrespect, but kind of like Saxon was that band that would play everywhere. You know, they, they didn't give a fuck. They'd play everywhere, you know, where other bands wouldn't go. But he took it as like, oh, well, they must be a joke. Phil's making fun of them. But I really don't think he meant it like that. What do you think, Ralph? I don't know. I, I think he did. I think it kind of came off that way, which is kind of odd because yeah. Phil is a big fan of 
Anvil. And, you know, which is Anvil is pretty much in the same vein as, you know, as a Saxon and a Crocus. And, you know, right. but, but, yeah, I mean, maybe you're right, though. But, I mean, the way it's delivered in that home video, it sounds like a job. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that. And, and your friend, your friend who doesn't even know Saxon. See, the, the way, and, but I've heard, I've heard negative shit on Saxon, too, in the press. I've heard, like, little jokes about Saxon in, in magazines. How they were a jokey band. I'm like, fuck you. I mean, I wasn't like the biggest Saxon fan at that moment with their recent albums. You know, Innocence is No Excess or whatever it's called. With the chick biting the apple. And right, I there right. Was, there was a couple other albums too, which I actually bought. And I was like, oh, what, why are they doing a cover of Ride Like the Wind? You know? Yeah, oh, that was horrible. <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, what's funny is that we used to rehearse at this place where there was like a, a black thrash band that played next to us that Ride Like the Wind was the guitar player's favorite Saxon song. I was like, <laughs> what? He's like, dude, that's the best song they ever did. I go, that, you know, that's a cover. He goes, oh, I didn't know that. I was like, yeah, it's a Christopher Cross, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, Christopher Cross. It was like, you know, it's weird how they did it. And they even had a video for it. And, oh, yeah, where they're in jail. Yeah, storyline with Biff in jail and with the bleach blonde hair. But anyway, I mean, at that time, they were kind of jokey to me. But I didn't hate on Saxon because, you know, unlike, you know, Metallica and shit like that, it's like all the British heavy metal bands, with the exception of Maiden, because I feel like, well, you all know how I feel about Maiden. But Saxon, man, I have this respect for them that even when they release turd albums, I still love them for their legacy and how they they were, they were not a, a, one of these, like, you know, get let's get fucked up and shit. No, they drank tea. That's what they would yeah. do before a show. They would drink tea. They weren't like a, a druggy band or a drunk band. Motor yeah. Motorhead made fun of them for not for not drinking. That's true. <laughs> and, but Motorhead and and uh, Saxon were very tight. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But but I mean, you know, Motorhead was so legendary with their with their abuse. Yeah, uh, you know, they was, thought it was so funny that they were teetotalers. Yeah, it was uh, it was like a friendly jab, as you will. Right. Right. It wasn't like how he felt. Uh, Lemmy felt about Venom, you know. Right. Yeah, he hates Venom. <laughs> yeah, he hates Venom. He's he's recanted and says, "Ah, they're all right, you know." But back back then, he was like, "What the fuck's up with this shit?" Anyway, um, so uh, what what were we talking about? We were talking about the band plays on. And the band song. plays on. Yes. Uh, and I, you know, I love the way the song ends too. And the band plays on. It's just such a beautiful ending to a great song with a great message even though it's about something else all these years i just thought about bands determined to keep going on and that's what you know shit like that again inspirational me because my band thrasher die is the most dysfunctional band we we make david lee roth and eddie van halen laugh uh, <laughs> you know they, they they got back together because they saw how bad we were you know we 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 just we're just a band that's like so dysfunctional everybody in the band including myself was so fucking crazy and we do the stupidest shit that would break up any fucking band you well know, that's because that's because hell sodomizer wants to do a christopher cross song <laughs> uh, and you know i mean it's gotten to the point where you know i mean i quit the band you know a lot of people are like, oh, i quit the band i quit thrasher die like five times I remember but, that, <laughs> but 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 you know. Also, I would keep going back because 
you know, I was very proud of what we've achieved. And, and now, for the past, um, I think, two years now, I, I've been loving Thrasher Die and Combat. Everything's been kind of peaceful. There's still problems, but it's gotten to the point where I'm immune to it. You know, it's like I would freak out in the past over similar problems that are happening now where when they happen now, I really don't give a fuck because I got like the most killer new album coming out soon. Um, everything is looking fucking great. We, we you know, we're, we're stars in Puerto Rico and all this shit. And, you know, we're playing New York soon and we're playing an annual in Rhode Island and Washington, D.C. All this great thing is happening for us that all the bad shit kind of doesn't matter anymore. And if everything falls apart and Thrash Die does end, I'll be happy, man. I mean, I will continue to make music because that is my passion. And uh, and the band played on is pretty much how I feel about, you know, music, making music. It's like, no matter what happens, if everything just crumbles and falls apart, I will go on. Till I die or till my voice gives, I will continue to make music. And Saxon, I thank them because they are one of the many bands that inspired my life for the better. Unlike Dying Fetus. <laughs> All right, well, what do you think about Midnight Rider? Midnight Rider keeps on rolling. What song's, what's this song about? I don't even know. Uh, uh, it's about a guy who rides at midnight. Oh, you're right. It's about a guy on, on a motorcycle. <laughs> they right. have so many motorcycle songs. That's true. This is a, I would think it would be about a train. But um, <laughs> more than Prisons of the Night, that's for damn sure. Great fucking song. Made a video for it. You can see it on, on um, YouTube, I'm sure. Uh, Midnight Rock. Yeah, it's such a great melody. It's just kind of like more, a little more of the commercial side, like out of control. Um, lose control, I mean. Um, fucking love it. I really don't have much to say about this one. Uh, again, I can't say it's the worst song on the album. It's not. It's fucking great. It's a great fucking song. Great melody. I think the hooks is what sells it for me, especially the 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 chorus. The chorus is. I like the chorus way more than the verses. What do you think? Uh, I love this fucking track, and uh, you brought up a great point. This should have been a hit. I mean, because. I think it has broad appeal, and by that I mean it can appeal to broads. You know, it's it's just a great fucking track, and it's heavy, but it's accessible, and it just it has all the elements of just good rock and roll. I, I mean, seriously, I do not understand why this band wasn't bigger. And I, well, I mean, I guess I do understand because uh, more people don't know about it. I think if more people knew it and heard it, they would accept it. Like my girl, you know, she knew nothing about Saxon, but all it took was me playing some Saxon for her to go, "That's fucking great! I love this." And I—that's the biggest downfall. Just enough people do not know about Saxon. I mean, it, it's great fucking shit that can appeal to anybody. You don't necessarily have to be like a fucking, you know, a Slayer fan or a Dying Fetus fan to to appreciate it. But, you know, I mean, metal fans definitely are going to get it more. But just people who love rock and roll, oh, it's rock and roll. And Midnight Rider is a perfect example of that to me. But uh, let's go into Fire in the Sky. 
Uh, Fire in the Sky, another. It's a great album track. Uh, but it was also played live. I think this whole album was played live at one point or another. They actually did a show, I think it was on one of those cruises, where they played this album top to bottom. Right. I, I know they've done a tour recently, and I don't know if it's going to be the same set list when I see them. But uh, their previous tour, which I think uh, just happened, it was them and, uh, and Armored Saint. They were only playing songs off of Wheels of Steel. Strong Arm. Strong Arm of the Law and, uh, and Denim and Leather, which are considered like the Holy Grail. And they, they are all amazing albums amazing albums. The Holy Trinity. Yeah. Uh, but I, I tell you what, if that's all they play, I'll be happy. But you know what? If they play some newer songs, I'll be great with that too because I just want to hear Saxon. You know? But uh, Fire in the Sky is... Man, it, it's part of this epic album that I love called Denim and Leather. What do you think, Ralph? I want to cover this song so bad. I've been, I, I've been, uh, I actually brought it up to combat a while ago, and I, I should bring it up again. This is, a, this is like my third favorite. That you know, when I almost said it was the band played on. No, this one. This song is like the most heavy metal British, you know, and it's, oh my God, you know, it's about nuclear fallout, um, and it's, it's just so killer. I love those riffs. I love the lyrics. Uh, some of the lyrics don't rhyme, and I dig that, man. I dig when some lyrics don't rhyme in songs, you know. And um, it is my, uh, it's the one song I really want to cover. And one day you will hear me do a version of Fire in the Sky, because I don't only want to cover it live. I want to record this song, you know, because I think I can deliver this one. I can't do justice to Princes of the Night. I can't do justice to Lose Control. I could do justice to this one. I'm sure I can it won't be sung like I'm no, I'm no Biff, but, you know, I'll do my own version. And it, it is very tailor-made for combat because combat is very much in the vein of this song right here. You know, I, I pride on combat being like this. And, you know, and if people, and I've heard some people already tell me that they remind, uh, combat reminds them of the early 80s metal. And to me, that's the greatest compliment because my voice is not really as classic and as great as the classic singers back in the day. Unfortunately, I wish I could sing more like that, but I got my own thing, you know, whatever. And uh, I love this song. It would be the song I would love to cover more than any Saxon song. I love the hell out of this song, which takes us to the very last track, which is the, the title track, uh, Denim and Leather. It was you that set the spear free. Again, a song about unity, a song about us, the outcast, the people that are looked down upon, the people that wear denim and leather, and our love for the music, you know, the, when you hear the guitar and the smashing of the drums, and the playing of the bass, and see the singer that fronts the band, everything about this song is just beautiful. It's, it, it emphasizes the scene, the early 80s metal scene, which is so missing today. It was. Back in the day, dude, the enemy was not metal. Today, the enemy's metal within the metal community. Oh, you like, uh, you know, oh, you like this. Uh, they're not brutal enough. 
uh, black metal should not be behemoth and you know it's like dude metal is metal and back then man if it was metal it was good and this song pretty much talked about the fans the people that were into the to metal this was biff singing about the audience and he nailed it it's a great fucking song amazing song and punch it up on youtube hopefully the video's there too because it's a great fucking video it's all straight live and good shit man what do you think of the title track oh my god not only is this one of the greatest saxon songs of all time this is one of the greatest songs of all time and and what a thank you to the fans and a and a celebration of the fans and of this music in in general i mean it's just fucking amazing track and and i love this and it makes me so proud to be a fucking metal and hard rock fan uh you know it kind of reminds me uh here in new orleans everybody knows about mardi gras well the last day of mardi gras is on a tuesday it's called fat tuesday and that's like the biggest craziest day ever so it's fat tuesday and i'm wearing my fucking colors i'm wearing my fucking uh you know my denim vest that has my patches on it you know it's got uh ozzy ultimate sin i got acdc i got metallica i got you know kiss on there and uh these young girls want to take a picture with me and i could tell her like oh look at the guy you know whatever and my old lady got kind of mad she's like you know they're making fun of you and i'm like don't forget i'm laughing at them like they could have this picture of me and they think it's funny i'm to me they are more ridiculous than i am i'm like you are so plastic you are so fake i am the real deal i am true i am showing my colors i am all about the fucking metal and that that's me and that's this song it is so fucking by the fans for the fans exactly what this podcast stands for it, it is everything encompassed in this song i absolutely love love denim and leather and it's one of the greatest songs of all fucking time and to me it's uh it's up there with stairway to heaven i mean it's just it's that fucking good that true and every metal fan should embrace this song and should get the sediment of what they're talking about it's absolutely incredible and what a way to fucking end the album absolutely love it awesome so uh any uh any final words on uh denim and leather yeah, uh, this was released on October 5th, 1981. Was produced by Nigel Thomas and Saxon together. It was the last album with the original lineup. Uh, it was the last album to feature Pete Gill, who would later on join uh, Motorhead. And would later on, I know he came out as, as a homosexual. I don't know if he like turned into a woman or not. I know he came out as gay. Uh, but I think he might have tried to do the Bruce Jenner thing I'm not sure it doesn't matter I mean he's a great fucking drummer he's amazing uh, and it's a great fucking album and I just I absolutely love this it's huh. great classic traditional metal I did not know that I had no idea he came out of the closet yes true story wow that's mind-blowing uh, all right yeah me again like I said I saw this tour this is my favorite Saxon album every song is top-notch but not to take anything away from the two prior, 
which I also think strong arm and wheels of steel are flawless. Oh, I agree. I agree. From beginning to end, those three albums. I mean, I like Crusader and I like the Power and the Glory, but those three, man. The first one is a little ant. What do you think of the first Saxon album? Uh, I like it. It's definitely different, but I mean, I, I still dig it. But it's it's in a different category than Strong Arm and and, and yeah. uh, the others, you know. I think they found their their niche. Oh, I yeah, I definitely agree with you there on, on the second one. So the first one to me is kind of eh. I'm not. I can't get into it for some reason. I, but honestly, I never really gave it too many chances. But I just heard it a few times. I was like, this ain't no Wheels of Steel, you know. But um. Love them, love Saxon, want to see them live again badly. And uh, <coughs> that's it. Uh, you have a pick of the week? Well, before we get into the pick of the week, <laughs> while we're talking about a band that's like traditional metal, uh, I want to give a shout out to a, a fan of our page, a fan of the podcast. His name is Mick Watkins. And he's in a band called Rockaway Drive. They're based out of, I believe, Louisville, Kentucky. And they are a traditional metal band. And, uh, you know, he said, I, I get this stuff a lot of times, you know, people promote their music. And unfortunately, sometimes I get to listen to it, sometimes I don't. I get so many messages. But this one, I was like, okay, let me check it out. And I listened to it, and I absolutely loved it. I mean, this is great, you know. And I love the way that our listeners and fans have got behind, you know, your bands were out behind Thrash or Die and Combat. And this is a band I really believe in. I'm sorry I haven't got to play it for you yet, but they're called Rockway Drive, and I would like to play two tracks for you right now. The name of the tracks, hold on a second, let me get there. Uh, hold on. We're about ready to play them. Our, the first track is We Live, and the second track is called Black Witch. Once again, this is Rockway Drive. They're a local band. Check them out. Support them. When we air this episode, I'm going to put up a link so you can buy it uh, if you want to. And I, I know you're going to want to because this is a great traditional metal. Here we go. Check this shit out. Let's go. We 
right, that was Rockaway Drive, man. I hope you dug that as much as I did. Uh, I think it's really good. Uh, support these guys. You know, if you live in that area or anywhere they're playing, check it out because I really, really believe in them. And, uh, hey, man, it's a listener to the show. You know, it's one of our own. It's one of our family. So support them the same way you support, you know, Rouse bands or anybody else, you know. It's fucking metal in this day and age. It's traditional metal, so check it out. Cool. I look forward. I look forward to hearing it because the way we're recording this song, the show is like you know we're we're gonna add it later because you know that's just the way we do things. So I can't give you an honest opinion because I haven't heard it yet, but I'm sure it kicks ass. Oh, I, I assure you it does. And speaking but, of stuff that kicks ass, uh, there you go. Uh, pick of the week, and I don't know about you because sometimes you pick shitty things. So since we're gonna keep it in the kick-ass category, I'm gonna go with my pick of the week first for a, for a change. Wow, I'm happy to hear that. And it's Saxon related. Nice. This album features that that homo Pete Gill. <laughs> I love his drumming, man. His drumming is amazing, and I thought he was like the perfect replacement for Filthy Animal. And I know his first appearance was on No Remorse, but my pick of the week is Orgasmatron. Great album. Amazing album. Um, everything about this album. This is one of those albums that... Uh, there ain't a bad track on there. Um, Stone Death Forever. I mean, Death Forever. Um, the Claw. Amazing drumming on The Claw. Uh, yes. The title track. Oh, my Lord. Riding with the Driver. Yeah, you gotta love that title. Riding with the Driver. You know? Um... You make me sad, babe. You make me sick. Whatever song that song is, man. That song rules, too. I don't have that album in front of me, but... My pick of the week is Orgasmatron by Motorhead. Amazing album that I listen to probably more than every Motorhead album, yet it's not my favorite. I might be double-dipping here. I might have picked this before, but even if I did, fuck it, I'm drunk. I'm picking it again. Uh... I think it's a criminally underrated album that a lot of people don't like, but it's the second album from Fight. It's called A Small Deadly Space, and I really dig this album. It is different from the first Fight album. It's a little bit more experimental, but, uh, man, I fucking love it. I'm Alive, Mouthpiece, Legacy of Hate, Blowout in the Radio Room, Never Again, the title track, Gretna Green. Beneath the Violence, Human Crate, and one of my favorite uh, Rob Halford ballads ever in a world of my own making. I loved it. I mean, obviously, I, like everybody else, I liked War Words more. I did see this tour. Um, it was fucking amazing. Uh, I love the hidden track, Psycho Suicide. Yeah. The one song that you mentioned, Blow Out in the Radio Room, was their uh, commercial attempt. I, I, yeah, 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 it, yeah, it was the single. And, and it was good, but it was grungy. And I think that's yeah. what hurt this album, because right. a lot of people saw the video and they, and they represented the album. And I hate when songs are the video where they sound nothing like the rest of the album, because it kind of hurts. It kind of like I was made by uh, for loving you by Kiss. You know, it hurt that album because everybody thinks, oh, it's, that's the disco album, you know, and uh, which doesn't gonna be further than the truth. And you know, if somebody just listens to Blow on Radio, they'll be like, oh boy, Fight turned into a grunge band. Which, no, they, they still remain very heavy metal. But 
it was more slowed down than War yes, of Words. I War agree. of Words was a little more upbeat and fast, where this one was darker and more sludgier, but still fucking awesome. Really good album, and uh, I love it. Uh, so after all, it, you did have a kick-ass pick after all. Oh, well, thank you. You surprised you. me, dude. Alright, <laughs> so... Uh, what, uh, Band of the Week. Uh, by the time you hear this episode, our interviews will already be posted online. Uh, I gotta think Andrew Jacob. Andrew Jacobs, I'm sorry. From Podcasts Are the Best. Which, yes, they are. And, uh, and he really took a shine to our podcast and, and put a positive light on it. He's also become active on the Facebook page, which we love. And, uh, man, we appreciate it. You know, this is a guy who really, uh, pointed out what I think we do best. You know, point out, you know, underground albums and, you know, albums maybe not so much talked about. Every once in a while, we are going to do a popular album. But we like to shine light on the underground. You know, the stuff we think deserves another listen to or a first listen to. And uh, Andrew Jacobs, we really appreciate the attention, and uh, and thank you for becoming not only a fan of the show, but you know a fan of the page and becoming active because that's what it's all about. It's grassroots. It's it's a show you know by the fans for the fans, and you get that. So thank you very much, Andrew Jacobs. You are our fan of the week. All right, now as the plugs I got to do you know all the time. I do it every week, but for new listeners, you got to hear this. We are on theindiaauthority.com, Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Of course, we're always on thatmetalstation.com, Sundays at 12 p.m. Eastern, and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, They got a contest, should still be running, called Box of Metal 3. Check that shit out. Win yourself some fucking free swag. Uh, Mike Tyler, listener of the show, he's on there Tuesdays and Fridays. Check it out. Also, they have a friend of ours, The Rock Show with Gully and Joe, is on there Fridays. Check that shit out. Decibel Geek Podcast. You gotta check that shit out. Great fans of the show. Great fucking podcast. Of course, you want to hear more of us, go to podbean.com. You get every episode. There's all the links on there. Go to iTunes. We're on iTunes. Please leave those reviews. We are running a contest right now. If you want to win a free copy of the Combat EP autographed, personalized by Dr. Fuck, get your ass on there and leave a nice five-star rating and a, and a good review. The best review wins that personalized copy of the Combat EP. I also and, want to plug a podcast. I'm going to be on it. Well, it's probably already aired, but uh, I'm going to be on one of their episodes uh, very, very soon. I believe I'm going to be recording today with them. Nice. Podcast. P-O-D-K-I-S-S-T. Oh, yeah. Great, great podcast, too. I definitely enjoy their shows. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting Podkissed, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. That's right. It's your Podkissed. Every month, the Podkissed crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulik, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. 
for all the new listeners to go back and check out our past episodes. We have like 60-something fucking episodes that are all amazing. Every one of them is fucking great. Wouldn't you agree, Ralph? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all amazing. Check them out. Check out our YouTube page. You get the same podcast, man. If it's one of your favorite podcasts, watch that shit because there's an awesome video presentation behind it. Pictures, videos of that era. It makes your best episode even better. Uh, Check out all the other links that are on the Podbean page. Uh, To all of the stuff we just talked about, plus Rouse fans, Thrasher Die and Combat, you know, there's also the Amazon link that's very important. Go on there, buy all the shit we're talking about. Doesn't cost you a penny more, and we get a little kickback. It helps pay for my beer, and man, I appreciate that shit. Also, join the Facebook page. If you're not on there, why the fuck not? That's where all the shit goes down is on the Facebook page. You want to, you know, communicate with us? You want to talk to us? You want to say what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear? I mean, don't fucking matter. We're going to do whatever anyway, because that's us. But let your voice be heard, man. Get your ass on the Facebook page. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed that show. We know you fucking did. And you think that shit's great? Wait till next week when our special guest is Beretta himself. Robert Blake. Oh, Join cool. Me. The guy that killed oh, his yeah. wife and got away with it. Yeah. The white yeah. OJ. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Don't do Don't it. Don't do it. <laughs> there you go. Beretta, Robert Blake will be here when we talk about Accept's classic album, Metal Heart. Nice. That's next week on the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast. Too high to get it right. <laughs>